Hello, welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here. Tom Jacobs, how are we doing, my friend? Good, I'm good. I am bullying myself this week after last week's selections. Um, tough. It's been a tough sledding, I think, at the moment. Um, quite optimistic about this week, must admit. Um, obviously, good vibes for you, coming back to a course where Guido Migliozzi has won in the past. But um, different format this week. Yeah, last time we uh, saw our course here, it was actually, I think, my favorite event, the DP World Tour um, has ever played. I love match play and then the ability to combine it, you know, with half of the field only getting in uh, and being a true match play fashion. What it was nine holes, too, they used to play um, to, to knock them out. So kind of like the what was the other one? The Super Six or Super Six. Yeah. And then yeah. we had. What else did we have? Oh, we had the, like the golf the hand, sixes, the golf sixes one, which two. is where they yep. had the stop cl- shot clock masters as well. Yep, um, yep. So I, I like unique ideas. They try. Um, yeah. So I mean, that that was fun. Was the knockout version, of course, Guido being the the last winner. But um, yeah, I think your your point is uh, correct on on last week um, and, and DP World Tour. I mean, it's not just you and I either. I I think everyone, <laughs> uh, everyone across the industry, um, the unpredictability, the weaker fields, the new courses, different things we've seen, you know, definitely take some time. Uh, I think we're making educated selections, feel comfortable with us. Um, You're giving yourself a little uh, potential punishment there. I see a little uh, upper lip mustache over there. Basically what was happening earlier is I was shaving and I caught myself in the mirror with this just left. And I thought, what should I do with that? And, And basically I thought to myself, this can be a one week visual representation to never bet Laurie Cantor at 33 to one ever again. And that doesn't mean bet him at 25 to 1 or 20 to 1. It means never bet him at any sort of price that can indicate that he's worthy of favoritism. Uh, he didn't even wait until Friday to have a meltdown. Uh, bogeyed the last three holes on Thursday. It's just unforgivable. And, and th- I was actually going to say I will keep this until either Forrest, my, my soccer team, get promoted to the Premier League, um, or we get a win on, on, on this show. And then I sort of took into account how long that could be. Um, and, and no, so it won't be happening. As you can see, my face is already very red from the fact that I've just shaved it all off. So, uh, yes, I will not be doing that. Yeah. I mean, at some point, some of these guys are, are going to do it. We saw it with Ernas two weeks ago. You know, it, it took many of those that was my thinking. moments. <laughs> like I thought was going to happen. It's it's we've seen so many of them get there, but it does take time and it does take terrible uh, terrible losses and hiccups um, really along the way. Um, I, I guess when I look at you know the way we have to continue to approach things, I, I think it's ultimately just a way of the way we're whittling it down. I don't think is you know we're not closing our eyes and, and throwing you know at a dartboard to pick our first round leaders like our our friend CP Chris Powers does. You know we're we're, we're spending some time some research here, but heck. Chris Powers almost should have hit the first round leader doing his process last week uh, with Jason Day if he would have uh, thrown it a little bit tighter. But t- to me, it's just, you know, we continue the process. We hope to get some places and get some guys in the mix on Sunday. And, and I think we can do that once again this week. Yeah, and and uh, we've had a little sneak peek at each other's picks uh, beforehand, which we often do just to so we can get the boards ready. Uh, and, I, and I was really conflicted at the top of the board between two or three players. Um, and, and the guy you've picked is is the one that I wanted to go with. It was just a little price drop that kind of concerned me. So we'll get into that next. 
Yeah. And, and I maybe cannot be as price sensitive typically um, as I normally do. I think I have quite a few in the mid range um, this week, but yeah, I think uh, with that being said again, so Sudal, I believe is the way we're pronouncing this week. Oh, I'm going for it. Yeah. So we're, we're playing Sudal open at Rinkfin. Uh again. I mean, if we, if we pull up the, I guess, let's get the, the details here that basically the course that we're playing at is the shortest like par 71 that I've seen in quite like some time six, we're under 600 is it yeah I think it's yes just uh I think just clo- closing it at 6900 is if it plays at the tips uh-huh. um but yeah so it's going to be yeah Ringfin um and the two times we saw it we saw Adrian Otegi and, and Guido win um with a bunch of golfers who were very accurate at the top of the leaderboard, at least advancing through uh, into later in the tournament. However, uh, I, I can remember, of course, I had these Guido memories very vivid in my head. He like really overpowered the course. And, and like there was multiple par fours in his championship match where he was driving greenside bunkers. Like, like, and he's not like the longest guy out there, you know, but he, he was better with his driver then, but, you know, he could really, just as if you're accurate, because it's tight. It is very tight here and it's short. That's you know, it's only defense is that it's tight. But I fear um, the the past leaderboards might not be a representation of how it could play because golfers could absolutely take advantage of this. Um, and there's drivable par fours, multiple of them. There's short par fives. There's really only one long par four. So I have a fear that we might see uh, a leaderboard full of bombers, even though the, the course details might not play out that way before. No, I, I just I've got to a point where I don't want to try and rule people out um, on the week off, right? I mean, like the Byron Nelson this week, everyone's going to kind of say that could be overpowered, and it wasn't last year. It was kind of a mix of two guys, and and when I think I think it applies to the PJ so a lot more. Right? We, we always hear these kind of um, you know it's a bombers track where you go to a heritage or a colonial or whatever, and, and you, you don't you don't need distance off the tee, and then Dustin Johnson can win. Like I don't think it's necessarily needed to kind of pigeonhole it what i would say is that i think we've been able to draw some comparisons and, and i'll go into those obviously with my selections based on the two guys that have won and i think it is important that there was some stroke play action uh before the knockout as well it wasn't just you know just straight match play so um i do think we've got a little sense of, of what to expect but yeah I've, I've kind of tried not to get too hung up on on the distance versus accuracy thing because i, I just think you're it's so hard to predict week to week what players are going to do, let alone how a golf course is going to set up. Yeah, no, and I agree. And I think my explanation is more or less not whittling out the other the other yeah. um, talent type when when people potentially could be. Um, yeah, I think I have a little bit of a mixed bag um, when looking for it. And I think we can dive right into kind of the the odds leaderboard here as I pull it up. So if you see burned would be I think the longest 18 to one in the States, Ryan Fox, 22s with Horsefield there, Peters as well. Um, and then there's a, a little bit of a drop off as we get deeper into Morocco, Becker, Dietrich. Um, I see Otegi 30 to one here. So I'll kind of cut off there. doesn't look like any of our selections will be coming from this group as we go a little bit deeper, uh, but still you can make a lot of compelling arguments for these guys. Yeah, Peter's opened up a little bit bigger than he is now, and and, and I thought he was interesting. Um, but Burn, I think, has just been a staple favourite for 
however long now on the on the DP World Tour, and probably rightly so. I don't think that's that's unfair. Um, but yeah, I, I will. I was interested in Fox. So he was one of the three that I was talking about in terms of having to to pick between the players, and, and I've gone against him in the end because I do think he's short, but he's just been really impressive ever since um, winning. Right, he's, he's kept it on, but. Um, yeah, I've kind of whittled him out and left it between two now, which we'll discuss as we go on. But um, yeah, he would be the closest for me, Ryan Fox. Yeah, I think his game could be that overpowering type, you know, where um, he has looked good, obviously won uh, a few starts ago. Um, he would probably be my thought um, of the top. I, I didn't hate, I mean, going back, Otegi has played exceptional golf Um you know, for, for a little bit of stretch there, uh, arguably could have knocked off a win. Um, but you know, him coming back and then you get, I guess, if you go into the, the next subset of golfers, I would say there's a decent amount in this 40 range, definitely in the fifties, I'm going to have a couple selections, uh, right off the top here. And I, I think the first one that is probably one of the more popular ones, potentially one that, you know, you and I are, are both on together here. It's Victor Perez. Um, if I think of a longish and straight ball striker who, if you're going to have to contend at this course, maybe eliminate some of the short game woes that he has had, uh, Perez kind of fits that bill. You know, he does well. Um, I know you kind of go into some course cor- correlation stuff um, when he played this course in the past. And a lot of these guys when they played it in the past weren't to the degree of what they were, um, you know, at the time. So I think, you know, it, it's telling when a golfer before they've shined does well at a course and plays kind of above their head. Um, I think that's always kind of a, a good indicator. So um, going to why you you also are on Perez at 40 to 1. Yeah, I just think his, his game is returning to what we want now, didn't we? We had that kind of seventh place finish or eighth place finish it was in uh, the hander where um, it, I sort of said to you, I think, I think you then went on in the Catalonia Championship, right? And I sort of said, oh, you know, I'm a bit worried that it's going to be kind of one week and that's it. Um, and then he's come right back and, and done it again. Unfortunately, not the week that, you know, you were on him. But um, T's green numbers are just improving. 7th and 19th in his last two made cuts. He was 6th here. Um, well, they called it 6th. I don't know quite what that equates to when he gets to the knockout stage. Um, but yeah, he he was up there and played well. Um it was between him and Justin Harding for me. I, I thought Justin Harding was interesting. And, and one of the reasons I like Justin Harding and, and, and found it hard to kind of pick between the two was you look at the two people that have won here and, you know, you've got Guido Migliotti and Adrian Otegi. Um, you know, Harding has won in Doha, the Qatar Masters, and won and finished second at Karen Country Club. Now, um, Otegi finished fifth at Doha this year. Karen is where Guido won. Um, and I, I just think that maybe that is a nice indicator when we haven't got too much to go on with the golf course uh, in terms of, you know, multiple rounds of course form. Um, so I did think that was kind of an interesting one that the Qatar Masters and Karen Country Club could be, you know, because they both kind of reward more accuracy and, and things like that. Um, so that was why I kind of found Harding interesting. But um, I think Perez is probably the better play, a safer play. Um, but yeah, I think it very much be priced between the two of them. I got a good good news for you. You can make this decision easier. Uh, Justin Harding has withdrawn from from this week. I just saw it come across on Twitter. So there we go. It's uh, it's, a it's easy now. Yep, I can just eliminate all of that. That's fine. Yeah. 
So no, I, I'm not kidding you. When you started speaking, I saw Tom Crouch golf tweet that Chris Wood, Daniel Hillier, and Justin Harding have withdrawn. Louis Dieger, Bryce Easton, Gonzalo F. Does Castaño, the slattering Clement Sorday are all in the field added in there. So um, yeah, so that makes our decision a little bit easier there. So Victor Perez, it is. Tom, I'm not giving up on one of our golfers. I, this might mark four, five weeks in a row. Um, but it's not Guido. It's not Guido. It's Henny Duplessis, our guy, Henny. And last week, it's almost like when you have a weather split or a draw bias or like a course that just is different from what they've been playing show up. And then you go back to what you were used to playing before that. Like, like when the player championship happened this year, like you could just rule out a poor performance there and, and just continue on. And and that wasn't the same at the Belfry at all. I'm not saying that Um, it's a traditional course, you know, things, but Henny's run and his skill set, I think adds up into what I think can, can do really well at at Karen or at, uh, at Ringfin this week. So he is, according to Tour Tips, again, and we got a good sample size now of, of some pure data. He is one of the longer golfers in, in the field, which I think, again, helps in, in a sense of how you can overpower the course. But he is also, of the longer hitters, the, the most accurate of the bunch. Yeah. So, like, if I could pick a combination that I'd want, it's clearly that. And then I, I couple it with everything that we have thought about Henny for the last six weeks. And it's like, I would just kick myself from jumping off too early for a golfer that I see fit. Well, that now has a, a, a boost out in odds a little bit, um, you know, 41 to one. It's not like they got like super long by any means, but um, I, I think that's just enough to continue believing in the golfer that we have uh, really liked so far this year. It would just be a classic, wouldn't it, if, if we both jumped off one week and, and he kind of won, right? So um, I'm glad that you've stuck with it. Um, I didn't, just because I had that kind of conundrum at the top and, and I've got another South African that I do like. Um, but yeah, I can. I, I have no arguments for Henny Duplessis. Yeah, against, and against it's him. just, yeah, it's just something we have to really um, just swallow and, and continue continue going with and be like it's just a blip for two rounds it's just a blip on the radar. yeah I mean, you it, know it wasn't it's not like it's two or three events right it's literally yeah one event it wasn't disastrous um we kind of predicted that it would happen at some point we were hoping it wasn't gonna be last week um and you know you just ride it out and i think it's better to go with him now than try and pick him up again five six weeks down the line if he's sort of carried on uh yep. hoping that he comes back at the hundreds one i think it's better to strike now uh, and I hope that he comes back after a Yep. So we each have uh, another selection. Yeah, I would say another one in this range before we kind of get a little bit longer. Um, I'll go first here. Stick with another golfer that we, were, we really liked last week. Played well, exceptional on Sunday, um, and has that ability to be the dress, best driver in the field. Um, in my opinion, he has um, some canter in him, though, where contention isn't his favorite thing in the world, um, which is funny when you select a golfer at now almost half the odds of what he was last week. But Richard Manzel has shown a good amount of of intrigue for me to, to take in this type of field. Once again, I mean, really good driver, really good approach. You know, he just has skills at 68 on Sunday, just continues to show flashes of what could be somebody 
if you if you put him up at a Rolex series event, like he could he could win one of those. You know, like it's no different than like a, a Finau type of he could win anywhere when it really happens. And and a lot of these yeah. guys that we talk about, you know, are um, that same mold. But you could get you could get him triple digits in a, in a really strong field, and I think it's it's just as likely to win potentially as here. Um, but that being said, I still think that skill set could really play out well, and fifties is enough for me to continue the form. Yeah, so he was actually the first one I wanted to bet just because, like, it's been really progressive form. And I know what you're saying about the kind of contention, but I just don't think he ever quite gets himself there, right? It never feels like he's even yeah. going to – he never even feels like he's going to um, hunt on Sunday. He, he just doesn't quite do enough. Um, so I actually liked the fact that he was really progressive last week. I have it here on, on tour tips over the last three months. Total driving, Richard Mansell's second. Um, he's 11th in distance and 26th in accuracy, which is, you know, really, really impressive. And, and to your point, Henny Duplessis was sixth in, in distance and 78th in accuracy. So, um, you know, in terms of Mansell, that, that's really, really impressive. Um, it's just really hard to know, isn't it? Like, I think it's too short. You think there's enough in it because he's shown what he showed last week. And I, and I think you just have to make a decision. And, and the guy I've gone for at a similar price is... A more proven winner, but neither of them have done it at this stage, so or this level. So it's interesting to see who comes first. I think. Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead, make your argument for JC. Yeah, Ritchie. so JC Ritchie is four straight top twenty-six finishes, um, eighth last week when he was fourth in approach and thirteenth tee to green. Um, it's a weak enough field where I think that he can kind of step up and win. And obviously we've got kind of Wiesberger at the top there, um, and kind of the guys that we've already mentioned that we were picking between, but. You know, I just think that he is capable of winning. I think, you know, you think of the mould of Van Ton, do you think of what we've been chasing with Duplessis, you look at what Becker's been doing. Like, JC Ritchie is all of that. He does it slightly differently to all of those guys. Um, but I, I just think that he is capable. He's been playing on the bigger stages, even if he hasn't, you know, necessarily succeeded. Um, so there's, there's, it's not like it's a, a new thing for him. It's not like he's desperate to really, you know, kind of get himself into the fields more often. It's... He's already won twice this year. Like, I know it's obviously in South Africa and there's a certain level of comfort. But what is that? That's like seven or eight wins. I think it's eight wins in South Africa since uh, 2017. Uh, I think we kind of spoke about this before, that he he just has the winning ability and it's just whether he can now do it in this field. But if you finish eighth in the British Masters, I'm pretty sure you can probably win. Uh, and bearing in mind his two best rounds came over the weekend as well. Um, you could probably see him winning this kind of event. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it, where um, you get to have a showing in a course out of South Africa where he does well that you weren't targeting J.C. Ritchie at. It's like, okay, like this could be full goal for for him, especially with some of the similarities in golfers uh, out of South Africa that have played well at, at different courses like that, I think uh, can, can definitely make uh, a comparison there. Normally, you know, we, we really are setting up our card a little bit uh, differently than this, where we're not as uh, full of golfers 40 to like 60s. I mean, we're going to end up with six or seven selections um, kind of really okay, in this right? range. I think, it's a, I think it's a good, I think it's yeah, evolving of what we need to do. I think, I think what we've tried to do is we've kind of tried to get one of the favorites that we like. And then we've tried to gone, kind of gone hunting for that long shot that because they've been events... And it's not because we're just trying to get a big prize winner, right? It isn't that. It's because there's been so many unknowns for everybody 
for the for the courses we've been going to, for the events we've been going to. The data's been so skewed that we've never really known what way to go. So we haven't been hunting for the price for price sake. We've just been kind of like, well, there's so many unknowns about everybody. Let's kind of, you know, I mean, Olison was a big enough price last week, and that was a fantastic finish, by the way. Um, you know, it. I, I just think now that we've kind of got a couple of events now where the mid-range is where it probably is going to happen. I, I think that I'm pretty happy to say that. I think the kind of ones that we've gone to, Perez and Bigger, uh, are, you know, probably my favourite bets of the week. So I have got a long shot, you've got a long shot, but I don't think it's necessary this week. Yep, yep, 100%. So sticking in the, the next bunch here, for me, it's um, another golfer, must have been two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm hitting these golfers, you know, a week in advance of when they're they're peaking. And then I'm getting on then the next week. And, you know, that's when we kind of have that, that early uh, uh, packing it up. So Fabrizio Zanotti fits that kind of mold yeah. where I really, really did like him um, for the Catalonia. Like I, I thought we had a good chance. And I think his opening round was, was pretty good, if I remember correctly, um, and, and just didn't go well on Friday. Comes out uh, – and literally the only, I would say the only time we have seen irons like this out of Fabrizio um, this calendar year was last week. I mean, gained on average, I think it was like 1.3 strokes when you adjusted it for field strength um, was really good off the tee. And, and that has been the part that has been lacking in his game. So, I mean, he finished eighth last week, losing strokes on the green. Um, again, it's this telltale sign to how good he is uh, with that ball striking and then he fits that mold of you play from the fairway here. He's one of the most accurate drivers on the, the DP World Tour. Um, so I think that skill set playing out, would he would be my pick of the trending bunch. That's like, okay, he could just play from the fairway, eat it up. And, and I think there's still 66 to ones, even though he's not somebody who really, again, has found himself as his first top 10 since uh, he did at Valderrama. Um, in the fall last year, but I just I just really like uh, what he was showing out last week. One of the things I do like about Zanotti, and it's, it's hard because I don't necessarily compare the course or anything like that, but when you look at his kind of best finishes, he won the BMW International Open uh, 2014. That's kind of Germany, which is not a million miles away from where we are now. Um, Czech Open, uh, KLM Open twice. Uh, he's got two top four finishes at the KLM, another one at Czech, like all that kind of area of Europe. And obviously this is the European or DP World Tour, but I like that region. Like I think you sort of call it Central Europe, where especially Holland, like Holland and Belgium are, you know, very comparable. And I think that's a good bonus for Zanotti. So that would be something that I would uh, have in his favour. But I, it just concerns me that exactly what you led with, like you were really happy, you were really keen with him and he didn't do it. Then he comes back and does something, you want to go on again and, it's just a gut feeling, right? It's just one of those, like, it's just not going to happen because he's just going to not do it the weeks we're on. But um, other than that, I think everything kind of makes sense as to why you'd want to be on him, especially somewhere where, you know, accuracy should be rewarded. Yep. Yeah, but I think just playing out that angle is like, okay, you know, he would be my my pick of, of that bunch. Um, for you, I, I thought there was one more before we got in long shot territory. Yeah, I so have I, two more left. Yeah, yeah. Go to your next so one. I have Sebastian Soderberg. And yes. He was so unlucky last week, right? Like any anybody that was watching it, um, and, and it's funny. I'm not going to sit here and after, so I'm like, and say I knew 
that Olison was going to finish Eagle Birdie. No one could have predicted that, especially from where he made the putts from. But just the way they kept talking about it, like, oh, he'd finished that way on Saturday. Um, just what we know about Thorbjorn Olsson in general. Like, I, I just felt like you could just tell by Soderberg's face he was a little bit worried. And I think once he'd made that Eagle um, on 17, I, I thought, yeah, this is we're rocking and rolling here. And I, I thought that was a really good sign of a, of a real champion in, in Olsson to, to finish the way that he did. So... That being said, Soderberg, I just thought was was really unlucky. Like, I just he couldn't do anything else. He was favourite for however long. Like, people that were coming in were sort of ruining their own chances. Richie Ramsey was very unfortunate. Um, hit one into the water towards the end as well. But he hit the ball well himself. Soderberg, twelve tee screen, seventeenth in his approach. Um, when you look at those courses that I mentioned earlier, obviously Guido winning at Karen, uh, Soderberg won there on the on the Challenge Tour as well. Uh, both finished second at the Belfry. I thought was interesting. Obviously, Guido losing to Richard Bland last year. Zanotti now just sitting in the clubhouse waiting to win and, and didn't. Um, Soderberg won at Cranser Sierra. Again, another place that sort of focused actually. Guido was seventh there. Um, Soderberg was second at Valderrama. Guido was sixth there. Um, and then Otegi won um, the Scottish Championship. Was it last year or the year before? And uh, Soderberg also finished tied ninth there as well. So just think, just looking at those kind of courses that they've gone into, I really liked that. Um, and I just felt as well that like he's the type, I think, that once he gets a little bit of form behind him, he can follow it up. Um, hasn't done that as much recently, but he is a guy that I think just plays off of confidence. I'm pretty sure his last win came off a, you know, I think he might have been second or third the week before. And I'm thinking back to Spain last year, he was second at um, Valderrama and then second at the Mallorca. I think he can kind of piece these events together. I'm pretty sure he was like, back-to-back at Celtic Manor. I think he had two top tens where he had realistic chances to win as well. So, um, yeah, I really like Soderberg to keep up the form and it's a good course for him as well. Should he probably should have won that one at, at the Celtic Manor. Yeah, I I, uh, I do like um, Soderberg. I think there's a lot of compelling um, conversation around him um, and makes sense for it. With that, uh, I'll make sure um, we plug our audio version of the podcast here. Um, next week's PJ Championship, there are a lot of... Um, DP World Tour players that are getting a tee up. Actually, that might be why Justin Harding um, is withdrawn because he is in that field uh, for next week. Um, just saw, but um, so we got a break next week on the DP World Tour. We're back the following week after that. Uh, but for those that are audio listeners, you can find us at Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, the mix available on any different platform for you there. Always love reading reviews, subscriptions for us goes a long way. Um, so we really appreciate your time. And let's be a long shot here, Tom. Um, you know, we we're not going into the thousand to one that I mentioned. Well, the thing was, man, <laughs> it looked good. Like one round. I was picking a flight to France. I thought we were in. I, I really did too. Then I woke up Saturday morning. He was like plus six. I, like so I, I was speaking to, to someone at work and I, was, I sort of said, you know, he's, he's playing well. He, I think even when he dropped back a little bit on Friday, he was still within four or five. Um, and I sort of said, oh, he's, I'm just going to wake up tomorrow and he'll be, well, I'm not going to wake up. I'm going to watch tomorrow and I'm going to be three over through four and it'll be done. And that is literally exactly what he did. I think yep. three over through four, four over through five. Um, but he still hit the ball okay. And now we actually had official numbers. His, his iron play was good again. Uh, and someone yeah. had a video of him on the range as well. And they said how silky his swing was. And, you know, it is. Um, before we move on to the long shots, you, you mentioned the kind of other stuff that we get uh, on the Mayo Media Network. And I was watching the, uh, the Custody Awards earlier. And uh, I was just thinking, if they opened that up to the whole network, would you have stolen any of the percentage of the votes 
based on your love for Guido Migliozzi. Like, just keep going back and back to him. Like, because that is insanity, right? Like, to, to keep going to the same thing, it's a different result. Um, you know, I'm really glad you didn't do it this week because I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> and I think maybe you just probably saved yourself a couple of votes if that ever did happen. Uh, it was interesting because, you know, it could, you know, change the outcome. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Um, I would definitely pump the cussies. It's one of the best <laughs> things of the literal year. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I think uh, we just have to to put our friend and just let him enjoy. Let him, you know, take a step back and just let him enjoy. I would love to see it at this week's course. And Not financially, you know, he is the defending champion. But I think there's a golfer, um, I guess a couple of them in this range. I think for me, uh, when I'm really discussing kind of different angles that it, that it could be, the first one, if I looked at, again, there's, there's four rounds of stroke play that were, I guess, two each year that were played. And the only golfer to finish inside the top 10 in both of those years in the stroke play sessions was, I guess, and in the field this week is Gavin Green. And we've had our eye on Gavin Green at least for a little bit of time um, regarding just like little flashes of, of at least somewhat of form or somewhat of, um, I guess I, we've just been looking for life. Cause I feel like he's like a first round leader upside. He's got this different thing, you know, yep. that he can really have in him and he, he's done enough. I mean, what he was sixth or fifth a month ago and then back-to-back top 25 finishes being inside, I think 13th at the end going into Sunday in Spain. Um, and then he was inside the top 20 going into the last day. And then last week, um, he was inside the top 20 through two rounds. So, again, not stringing it together over um, kind of a long stretch of 72 holes. But I don't know, man. There's just something about Gavin Green that I would think his putter can just go nuclear and potentially at a course that he he liked, he played well at. Um, not to say he's really fits the bill. He's, he's decently long but not super long he's not accurate but um he is an elite putter and i think there's just splashes there that lining up at this golf course could mean something for him so that fifth place finish that you referenced was also in the qatar masters right which is at doha as we referenced earlier i don't think i don't think that's insignificant i think you know guido's played well there before tagi has played well at the other qatar you know he played well at that same course as well sorry um and i just think that's I think that's important. You know, I think that Guido played at Education City, he finished second, right? Um, but it's still the Qatar Masters. Um, and then when you look at the other places he's played, well, Cran Sercier, where he was 12th uh, at the European Masters 2019 as well. So I do think that uh, Gavin Green could go well. Again, he's another person that's played well in the Czech Republic, which is not a million miles away. I wonder if he would have been more suited to the old format. Like, I just think because he's streakier, um, but you can't. You know, I don't think you should penalise him for that. It's, it's, you know, it's not his fault. It's changed. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think he is a guy that is going to just do something when no one's really like. There was a period, probably two or three years ago, where everyone was kind of waiting for him to win. Like he had that kind of trendy game that everyone liked, um, and he's just been kind of forgotten about. I think we brought him up at Wentworth last year. Um, you brought him up two or three uh, weeks ago now, and yeah, I, I think it's, he's probably worth sticking with. Yeah, it's, it's just enough in there. And, and maybe it's, you know, short spurts and rounds that show up. It's like, okay, you know, that we know if you, you, you pull it together for an entirety, I think there's 
more it, in there. It has the upside, him. right? Like it has plenty yeah. of talent to do it. It's, it's not a question of talent. I think it's course management and, you know, just brains. Yep. Yep, for sure. All right. You got one more. I got one more. Eddie Pepperell, again. Um, it's strange because the first thing I thought about Eddie Pepperell was that you're taking driver potentially out of his hands or the need for driver, and that was going to benefit him. When you look back at last week, driver wasn't an issue, and it hasn't been for you know for a decent amount of time. But I think now his iron play will be rewarded um, a little bit. If the Qatar link is anything to go by, he's you know he's, he's won and finished fourth there, and it seems to translate across both the courses, Doha and Education City. So um, yeah, I think I think he's worth sticking with. I think that we, people are going to jump off him quite quickly um you know he made that cut none of the, no one performed as i as i hoped they would last week but even like 48th place finish like after that backing up the 15th that you had two or three starts ago like i think just kind of banking those forms getting four rounds in and, and kind of working through the system now he's coming to a course where a driver doesn't really matter too much um or if he carries on playing the way he did with a driver last week he could take advantage of those short par fours as well so I do think there's a certain level of comfort with Eddie Pepper on these types of golf courses. And I thought he was a decent value at triple digits again. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, it's reading the tea leaves through his tweets. Feels like, you know, there, there's something there uh, for the game and continuing on over from it. Yeah. I mean, Eddie golf's better when Eddie's, Eddie's playing well. Um, so I, I'm going to go with a, the, the Henny Duplessis explanation of my, my last selection, a golfer, Ben Keenan this year, golfer who didn't play well last week, but has shown life leading up to it, who is long, who is accurate for his length, um, and that I think could fit kind of this bill at it, and it's Lucas Nemix. You see him go with three straight top 30s, goes into the last week, and he struck the ball really, really well um, playing at Belfry. He just couldn't putt, could not putt. So, again, encouraging sign through 36 holes, and it's like the world forgot about him. You know, he had finished third earlier in the year, backed it up uh, 17th um, a couple times out after that. So we've seen some good finishes of it. And he's just a golfer. I'm not ready to quit because I think this plays much more up his alley. Um, so you can get 110 to one on him in the States here. Um, so I think overall that would be um, just a, a good reasoning to not just give up when you're looking to find. I didn't just outside of either pulling one history or one good finish, you know, I think a little combination you could find, tell yourself a story. I didn't see myself getting deep into the, the 200s, 300s, 400s beyond. There's some of our favorite safari tour golfers teeing up this week. Greg Snow was playing, um, you know, you get some of the Belgium amateurs teeing up this week. I just don't think there's a lot in um, kind of this the shorter or the, the long shot range that I'm okay uh, I mean, Raphael Jacqueline is playing once again, but I'm, I'm okay kind of skipping this bunch um, and moving really into some consolidated picks between 40 and 100 to 1. I had a couple that I thought were worth mentioning. I think that, you know, Jackson Bra is going to kind of do what we expect him to do. I just don't know when. Um, and interestingly enough, a, a favourite of ours for a long time, Sean Crocker actually played okay with his irons in round one. Hit his uh, driver really well in round two last week he was uh, top 10 in the field um it's just not it's not good enough right to to really warrant backing him i don't have any reason to do it um but yeah i think that i think he's sort of worth keeping an eye on and then there was a guy that i 
and I remember his name kind of popping up, and there was the Belgian guys, Ulinez or Christophe Ulinez, that had kind of won last year on the Challenge Tour, um, kind of out of nowhere, really. He he played really well and then held on, and he beat Hurley Long and Ben Tario. Um, there's there's nothing in his form that suggests that he's going to do well here, but I just thought if you're going to have a local guy that has won in the last year. Um, and it is your kind of thousand to one shot that you do like to see, then uh, Christoph Ulanez, or however you say it, I really don't know, um, he, he would be interesting. But I won't be backing him. Um, it, it was just kind of a name that I thought was worth mentioning. Yeah, he was somebody who um, I think was like won his first ever challenge for a start after really ripping up the, the PGT in the last couple of events. So like started off 2021 um, so hot. You do see a couple golfers. Um, that are playing well on some of the minor league or, or tours around there. James Meyer de Beco um, has been playing decent. Christopher Bing, um, Yenti Van Doren. I think they priced him pretty uh, low. Alan de Bont. Um, these guys got starts when they played here uh, in the past and didn't really do anything of it. Um, Josh Geary's back. Oh, I was going to say uh, it's good to see Julian Suri uh, tee it up again. He's back in the field this week making his debut. Uh, Always a guy that loved to have a little donation on because he could hit it so well and, and yeah. couldn't find the winner's circle. Um, but I, I do a, think it's – you go ahead, go ahead. I got one, one more name. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, James Dupree is playing in the PJ Tour this week. Yes. Which would be interesting. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily expect him to do anything, but if you want a big bomber, then uh, they don't get bigger than him. So, uh, yeah, James Dupree will be playing the bar in us. So with um, the PJ Championship just announcing the field, what do you think? So, I mean, we look at guys that are at the top of the odds board here. Oliver Becker. Well, so Peters and Byrne knew they were. So they're choosing to play here for a reason, you know. But Becker, Van Tonder, Harding, Fox, Horsefield, all just announced that they're in the PGA Championship. Some of those guys were beyond the ranking qualification to get them in the field extended and they cut it off at one, the 120 ranking. So, um, or like 114 or something like that. So like Adrian Maroc is the first ranked golfer who is not in the BJ. He'd be the first alternate, I believe next week. So again, there's probably a decent chance that he gets into the field too. Do we see anybody also withdraw, you know, Harding already did. Yeah. And then, you know, do they play the same knowing that they, they're off to, to Oklahoma in five, five days? I guess that's pretty interesting. I, I never really gave any thought about, you know, so um, essentially I think that can be a little bit of an issue. Um, Adrian Moronk would be interesting because he's a guy that I think would be um, looking forward to kind of testing himself at a different level to what he's been at before. Um, obviously, like you say, he's, he's not in yet, but um Oliver Becker could definitely play kind of on his mind right like that's a huge huge uh, occasion for him and a reward for some really good form um but yeah I I haven't really given it too much thought I gotta be honest I no really and it just came it. out you know yeah. like so it's just interesting to to ponder that maybe we see a couple of other withdrawals or maybe we uh, see some guys I, I would say early with and... that news as soon as you see this and you know hopefully get your bets on because there, there is a good chance that those guys do come out um and especially with someone like Victor Perez who's becoming a little bit popular anyway um I would probably put that down yep cool so with that let's uh review our selections here you go first 
Yep. So Victor Perez for me. Uh, is, it, is he still 40 to one at the moment? Uh, so uh, in the States, you can find a 40. Yep. Yep. So that's good. Uh, JC Ritchie, I believe, is 50 to one. Um, Soderberg, 80 to one. And Eddie Pepperell at 100 to one uh, the ones for me. Perfect. I have Victor Perez as well, 40 to 1. Henny Duplassi, 41. Richard Manzel, 50. Fabrizio Zanotti, 66. Gavin Green, 100. Lucas Nemix, 110 to 1. Tom, let's get a winner this week. Let's get some yeah, you know, I mean, guys it's, in it's, the hunt. Let's it's do something this. we should do at some point, right? Like I don't I don't necessarily think it's something we try and avoid, but um, you know, we, we seem to be able to do it at the moment. I seem to be allergic to a winner. And allergy season is kicking off as well, which is uh not the greatest com- uh, you know combination. But I think, like you said, at the top sky in all seriousness, like it is so hard. Like even the the very best amongst us of you know tipping winners, DP World Tour has been difficult. I think the PGA Tour is kind of running true to form. I think you know if you're kind of switched on, you can you know go well there. But um, yeah, the DP World Tour has been a mess. So I, I think it's going to get better from here on out. Hopefully, especially when you know the Open Championship and that kind of time where we've got the Scottish and the Irish and things like that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that patch because I think that's when we can really find our own. Yep, absolutely. Well, perfect. Well, best of luck, everybody, this week. Again, no show next week, but we'll see you the following. Um, and good luck. Oh, wait, go ahead. Oh, Do not dash. unsubscribe for seeing this because it, do not fear. This won't be here next time you see me. Um, so don't don't quit on us just because I did this. Um, this is self-punishment for Laurie Cantor. And so I can watch this back and go, why did I do that? Oh, it's because Laurie Cantor was amongst my selections. If we hit a winner, are you going to keep it? If we hit a winner, I'll, I'll have this forever. Okay, there we go. You heard it. It's in writing right there. Write that down. Diamond Boy is going to have this forever. Once, once, uh, Henny Duplass. No, Henny. We want Victor Perez since we're both on. Yeah, Victor, Victor Perez. Perez would be nice. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. All right, gang. We'll catch you next time. Thanks so much.